Good morning. Welcome to the porch. My name is Will. I'm the lead pastor here, and I'm excited that you're here with us this morning. We're here to shine the light and the love of Jesus. I hope that's why you've joined us this morning to hear more about that story and the ways in which you can bring the kingdom of God here on earth now. The way we do that here at the porch is by inviting people to belong to a family, to grow in their faith, and ultimately to give themselves away in following Jesus. Let me highlight a few things that we can do in this season to uh, accomplish those objectives. If you're looking for ways to belong, I just want to inform you that we've postponed our annual meeting. Uh, as our local board of administration and myself planned out the event, we just thought it wasn't as fun to celebrate over a video screen as it will be to celebrate in person, hopefully soon. So we've put the annual meeting as part of our reopening plan. We don't know when that'll be or how exactly those details will shake out. Stay tuned for some more information there, uh, but we just wanted to update you and let you know that. We'll still be communicating about our budget and those things in a timely fashion, uh, so you'll want to stay tuned to your email as well in this time. If you're looking for ways to grow, I want to invite you and your kids to uh, attend some live kids worship on Facebook Live Tuesdays at 9.30 and 9.45. We've been going live with the preschool Sunday school message and the elementary Sunday school lesson at 9.45. So if you've got kids of multiple ages, uh, you can sit them down 9.30 for preschool and then early elementary at 9.45. It's a couple songs. It's an age-appropriate Bible lesson. It's the video portion of what they'd see in their kids' classrooms and uh, we just want the opportunity to serve you a little bit with that so if you'd consider putting that in your calendar or just watching Facebook live as that happens uh, we'd love to minister to your kids that way while we're talking about growing, I want to just celebrate something together with you. This week has been our first full week of summer camp here at CCLC, the school that uh, is our ministry to the community. And uh, we are excited to say that we had 39 students join us this week for space camp. And uh, we'll be going all summer long with different weekly themes. You might be needing a break, mom or dad. Uh, we've expanded the ages that we're serving for the summer. So we're serving one years old through entering third grade. So if you have kids in that age range that you think might enjoy coming to camp for a week, check out our website to pay attention to your weekly email. All of our rates as well as camp themes are listed there and we'd love to invite you to spend a week or more uh, with us and uh, letting us care for and develop your kids just a little bit. Last, if you're looking for ways to give here at The Porch, uh, we are paying attention to Chase and Malia's early birth of baby Wood. Uh, I'm recording this early, uh, so I'm not sure if baby is here yet or not. I assume that they are here, uh, but I have not yet heard as of the time of this recording. So maybe the chat's going crazy right now. Uh, if you're not watching in a place where you can read the chat, I'd encourage you to check out the chat because there might be some new information there about Baby Wood. Uh, just a reminder that we are collecting preemie diapers and food gift cards at the church. You can swing them by anytime, really during the morning would be best, and I will ensure that those supplies get to them. Their registry link is also included in your weekly email and that we want to celebrate this time with them, as well as anticipate and look forward to uh, three more expectant mothers, at least that we know of, uh, who will have little ones joining our church family in July. 
So there's an overview of all that's going on here at the porch. I know it's hard to stay involved. Know that we're praying for you regularly, that we're excited to come back together, and that we're beginning to have those conversations uh, as we've been enabled. Now, last but not least, as I mentioned, I'm recording this early. I'm actually out of town this weekend, and so rather than trying to uh, rush together to put together a sermon, I decided to play a message that was particularly meaningful to me when I heard it a number of years ago. Uh, so it fits in with our theme of hope in the dark. Today we're talking about fear, and uh, when I was thinking about this message, uh, the message that I'm going to play for you today was actually the message that came to mind uh, because it was so impactful to me at the time. So this is pastor and speaker Mark Driscoll, and uh, this is just a YouTube clip that we are lovingly sharing with you today, and I hope that you can find it appealing to you as we talk about hope in the dark in this season. Enjoy the message. God bless. comes to mind. Heights? For me, it's more wits. Amen? <laughs> Mice, bugs, snakes, spiders, says a lady. Hopefully it wasn't a gentleman. <laughs> Clowns? Clowns are not scary unless it's after midnight. That's scary. <laughs> a clown after midnight is up to something nefarious. Everybody is scared of something. How about you leaders? Are you afraid of conflict? Are you afraid of failure? Are you afraid of criticism? Are you afraid of embarrassment? I just checked my fly seven times before I got up at Catalyst. <laughs> Fear in the mind causes stress in the body. Some of you are fighters, you're tough. Some of you flee, you run from conflict, danger, potential failure. Some of you have fright, you just get paralyzed. And it, it's invariable that leaders have fear. And again, the fear in the mind causes stress in the body. Your body will start to manifest the stress, right? I can still remember years that I had a nervous eye twitch. Everybody thought I was hitting on them. <laughs> We're in Seattle, you're talking to guys, and they're thinking, well, maybe he's one of those pastors. No, I'm stressed out. I'm very stressed out. A buddy of mine had canker sores that would show up on his mouth. Are you stressed? How could you tell? Well, we, we could tell. And your wife is freaking out. She will not touch you. Some of you get really depressed, you get stressed out, your body manifests it, then you start eating bad or worse, you start drinking too much, and then you start doing coffee, then you start doing energy drinks. You can't sleep. How many of you can't sleep? You need to sleep eight to 10 hours a night. You do. I'm 40, I need more than that. 40's the new 80, I'm exhausted. 
all the time. What happens is if you're afraid of something, that fear in the mind causes stress in the body. Now you start getting stomach troubles, you start getting sinus infections, you start getting headaches. Some of you get really depressed, you start thinking about death or quitting. Or some of you just read a lot of books on the rapture, like, are we freaking done yet? Can we leave? <laughs> right? No, we can't. I hate to tell you that. We're going to be here for a while, kids. Put a cup on. All right. Now. <laughs> I've been afraid at certain points in my life, man. I, was, I remember we started the church. I was afraid. What if this doesn't work? And then people showed up, and I was afraid. What if these people stay? <laughs> what am I going to do? We didn't have any money, that stressed me out. You become a parent, you become a spouse. That is also stressful, fear-causing and inducing. I've had twice in ministry um, moments where I've blown out my adrenal glands. The first time I could not sleep. I'm up all night like Charlie Sheen, I cannot sleep. The second time I couldn't stay awake. I fell asleep right before one of my own sermons. You know your sermons are bad when you're sleeping through them, right? As well, I, I've, had, uh, I've had an intestinal ulcer. I pushed my body beyond its limits because for me, when I have fear in the mind, I go to fight mode. I go to fight mode. Some of you go to flight mode. You disappear. You check out. Some of you go to fright mode. You freak out and shut down. Here's a word from the Lord Jesus. Luke chapter 12, verse 25. Which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his life? Jesus says, how is fear going to help you? How is stress and anxiety going to in any way benefit you? Is it really going to extend your life? The answer is no. So here's the big idea. Fear is not always a sin, but it always is an opportunity to either sin or trust the Lord. The first question was, what are you afraid of? Second question, more difficult, be honest. The first person that the Holy Spirit brings to mind, go with that. Who are you afraid of? Who are you afraid of? That's one of the most important questions that a leader can ever ask. And what happens is, someone other than God takes that position in our life. So all of a sudden, there's someone to us that we hold in a position of glory. To us, they're magnificent, they're significant. We need them to know us, we need them to bless us, we need them to praise us, we need them to not criticize or oppose us. We need to live under their sovereign rule and we need them to be a source of life to us. What we do is we place people in positions of fear and then we worship them as functional gods. We think about them, we're obsessed with them, we're committed to them, we're de devoted to them and or fearful of them. And you know what happens when you fear someone? You cannot love them. Because to love someone is to give to them, and when we fear someone, we are taking from them. 
And I'll show you how this works, particularly for those of you who are leaders. Someone takes the place of God in your life. And it, it is not that you do, in fact, acknowledge them as a real God, but they're a functional God in your life. The key of all idolatry, Paul says, is we trade the creator God for created things, and one of the most likely candidates is people. Proverbs 29:25 says it this way, the fear of man is a trap or a snare. And it's a trap, right, that we've all stepped into. Have you, have you stepped into that trap? You fear someone. It's a trap. It's a snare. Ed Welch, he's a biblical counselor, he says it this way, fear in the biblical sense includes being afraid of someone. Who are you afraid of? But it extends to holding someone in awe. Who are you in awe of? Being controlled or mastered by people. Who has too much influence on your emotional, physical, spiritual well-being? Worshiping other people. That is praising them and adoring them in a place that only God should occupy. Putting your trust in people. Your faith is to be in God or needing people. You cannot criticize me. You cannot leave me. You cannot leave us. You cannot say no. The fear of man could be summarized this way, he says, we replace God with people. Instead of a biblically guided fear of the Lord, we fear others. When we are in our teens, it is called what? Peer pressure. When we are older, it is called people-pleasing. Recently, it has been called codependency. Who do you fear? I'll ask you some questions regarding finding fear. Number one, whose opinion matters way too much to you? Everyone could say as a leader, you did a good job. One person says something negative, you're devastated. Or they just fail to praise you and you're devastated. Whose opinion matters way too much to you? Number two, is your appetite for praise unhealthy? You need people to speak well of you. You need people to praise you. That's why you're on Facebook. That's why you're on Twitter. I should say, that's why I'm on Facebook, and that's why I'm on Twitter. You want to know what people say about you. If you're a preacher, that means after the service, you're waiting for people to come up and say, that was a fantastic sermon, Pastor. It changed my life. Good, that's what I wanted to hear. Tell your friends how awesome I am. <laughs> Number three, are you overly devastated by criticism? Now, criticism should hurt, but are you overly devastated by it? If so, you have a fear of man problem. You're allowing someone to control your emotional well-being. And we live in a day when, in a conversation with Rick Warren, he said it this way, that the problem with criticism today is that it's instant, constant, global, and permanent. It happens immediately. Some of you are criticizing me right now. Thank you. Constant, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Global, once it's out there, it's out there forever. And so it's permanent. Uh, just help me get the word out on this, would you? Not everything on the internet's true. Just, let's just try and get that word out. But we do live in this day when something could be said about you, criticism could be made of you, and all of a sudden it is devastating to you in a way that is too much. 
that indicates fear of man. Number four, are you committed to things and people that God did not call you to? Are you committed to people and things that God didn't call you to? Someone asked, you said yes. Someone pressured, you said yes. Someone criticized, you said yes. But God never said yes. What you're doing then is you're following other people's calling for your life instead of God's calling on your life. And you may be very busy, but you're not being very holy. You see how fear of man works? Facing fear. Here's what fear is. Fear is vision without hope. Right? How many of you have a gift of vision? You can see the future, and fear is when we see it in the worst possible case scenario. And we freak out. How many of you do that? Okay, we all do, right? Especially leaders. Fear is vision without any hope. This is the future, and it's going to be painful, and now I'm terrified by it, and I'm stressed about it, and I'm living in dread toward it. Number two, fear is not always rational, but it is powerful. It's not rational, right? Now, you know that when you look at someone else's fears. You say, that's crazy. They say, not to me. But you have your own crazy fears as well. Some of you are terrified of being single. Some of you are terrified of being married. Some of you are terrified in being in leadership. Some of you are terrified of not being in leadership. Some of you are terrified of losing your job. Some of you are terrified you're going to be stuck with this job forever. Right? Fear is vision without hope. And it's not always rational, but it is always powerful. Number three, fear is about not getting what we want or getting what we want and losing it, or getting what we don't want. Number four, fear preaches a false gospel. Fear preaches a false gospel. It says there is a potential hell awaiting you, and you could have an alternative heaven here on earth. And what you need is a functional savior. So if you're going, if your fear is, I don't want to be single, then marriage for you is heaven, and meeting someone is meeting your Savior. If not being in full-time leadership as a paid vocation is hell, then you need to worship someone until they will hire you so that you can live in your heaven, vocational leadership. It preaches a false gospel. It gives us a false hell. It gives us a false heaven, and it provides for us a false savior. Not a real savior that can save from Satan, sin, death, hell, and the wrath of God, but a savior that saves from the hell that we through fear have created in our imagination. What are you afraid of? Who are you afraid of? What is your picture of your hell? What is your picture of your heaven? And who has become for you a functional savior? And number five, what fear does, it turns us all into false prophets. The Bible speaks against false prophets, right? Places like Deuteronomy 18, it tells us about the danger of false prophets. Fear causes us to be false prophets. We predict the future that will never happen and we cause ourselves anxiety, stress, worry, 
about a future that isn't coming. How many of you have done this? How many of you have been absolutely fear-ridden about some future event and you got there and it didn't happen or it wasn't like that or it wasn't that bad? That's what fear does. Fear turns us into false prophets. Now, how many of you are identifying with the problem thus far? Okay. So what's the solution? What's the solution to fear? Well, the Bible's answer is, fear not. <laughs> Amen? Nice and simple for you kids who went to public school. The answer to fear is fear not. Fear not. This is the most frequently mentioned commandment in the whole Bible, right? Here's what we believe, right, Catalyst? God wrote a book. It's a great book. And if God says something a lot, it must be really important, right? More than any other commandment in this book, the most frequently listed commandment in the whole book is fear not. Now that should tell us that this is a real problem. It's a real problem for the leaders in the Bible. It's a real problem for us today as well. Now, if I just told you, fear not, about half of you guys would be like, yes, because you go to fight, right? Some of you are like, he's yelling, I'm leaving. You would go to flight. Some of you just be like, I hope he doesn't yell again. That's because you go to fright. Amen? Now, if the Bible just said, fear not, that would be more of a command than an invitation, correct? Here's what I found. I traced the times that the Bible says, fear not. And over and over and over and over and over again, usually to a leader, God says, fear not, I am present with you. Fear not, I am present with you. And in that way, God is saying, it's not just about facing your fear, it's about being with me. Or to state it better, me being with you. I'll share it with you. Adam, we'll do a little Bible study. Adam, our first father, Genesis chapter 3. He is afraid, right? He has fear. What's he doing after he sins in Genesis 3? Hiding. So he, he's afraid. And God comes to him and he says, I was afraid. So he has fear. But what's God's answer to Adam's fear? I'm going to go be with him. I'm going to be present with him. I'm going to come alongside of him. I'm going to pursue him. Since sin entered the world, this is how God has operated with us. We are afraid and God comes to be present and near. Abraham, Genesis 15:1. Fear not, Abraham, I am your shield. Tells Abraham, fear not, like a shield that goes in front of you, I am present with you. I will protect you. 
Isaac, Genesis 26, 24. Fear not, for I am with you. Fear not, I am with you. Don't be afraid, I'm right here. Don't be so scared. Remember, you're not alone. Isaac, down to Jacob. Genesis 28, 15. God says, I am with you. You know why God keeps saying this? Because we forget. We may know theologically that God is with us, but practically, when fear takes over, we quickly forget that God is near. And we feel alone. And it's a lie. And Jesus says, if you know the truth, the truth is what leads you into freedom. And the lie is that you're alone, that God has abandoned you, that all you have are your own resources for whatever it is that will come against you. Moses, Exodus 33, 14, God says, my presence will go with you. Moses is asking, how can I lead a whole bunch of people? Have you struggled with that? How can I lead them without the resources that we seemingly need? Have you been there? I don't know where we are going. And they're following me. I'm trying to look confident, but I don't know where I'm going. <laughs> Have you had that day? Every day? And God's answer is not, here's a map. Instead, it is, here I am. I'm with you. I'm going to walk with you. I'm going to lead you. I'm going to guide you. And I'll be present with you. Elijah, on the battlefield, 2 Kings 1.15, we read, Fear not, that's what God says, at the brink of war. Talk about a moment to fear. Am I going to get hurt? Am I going to get killed? Am I going to live but never be the same again? Will we win? Will we lose? God just comes along and says, fear not, I'm with you. How about King David? Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear not because thou art with me. It's right there. The one they made you memorize in Baptist Sunday school. It's right there. He says, David says, it doesn't matter how bad it gets. God is with me, I'm going to be okay. Things may not be okay, but I'm going to be okay because God is with me. Isaiah 41.14 Do not fear, or fear not, you worm Jacob. Any guys here named Jacob? God just called you a worm. <laughs> Can you think of anything more defenseless than a worm? I mean, small children, little girls pick them up and mock them. There's nothing. 
There's nothing terrifying about a worm. God looks down and says, you people are like worms. He goes on to say, little Israel, fear not, for I myself will help you. He says, fear not. I'm there to help you. You feel like that, right? I'm small, I'm powerless, I'm in trouble, the circumstances are big, the criticisms are real, the lack of resources are obvious. I can't do this. God says, fear not, I'm with you. I bring resources. Jeremiah 1.8, fear not for I am with you. Jeremiah had lots to be afraid of, right? He's the weeping prophet. He wrote a book called Lamentations. He's more depressed than the indie rockers in my town. He's a sad man. He's a sad man. We call him the weeping prophet. He's always crying. He, he asks this rhetorical question at one point, why did I ever get out of my mother's womb to see sorrow, trouble, shame all my days? Cursed be the man who brought my father the news. It's a boy. I'm not a doctor, but that guy's depressed, amen? <laughs> it was awesome in my mother's womb. It's been downhill since then. He couldn't even get married. He couldn't even go home to his wife. He's just by himself, depressed, single, indie rocker, poet. <laughs> God comes to him and says, fear not, I'm with you. Daniel, chapter 10, verse 12. Fear not, Daniel, I have come. Fear not, Daniel, I have come. Haggai chapter 2 verses 4 and 5 says three times, be strong, be strong, be strong. Say, why? It's not because he went to the gym or he's tough or he could win a cage fight. Here's why. For I am with you, declares the Lord Almighty. Be strong. I'm with you. Not just men, also women, right? Mary, Jesus' own mother. Luke chapter 1, verse 30, an angel comes to Mary. You remember what the angel says? Remember when you watch the Peanuts cartoon every year? The angel shows up, says what? Fear not. Shows up to Mary. Now she's a teenage girl from a small rural Baptist church. She grew up in Awanas. She's wearing a dress that she made with her own hands in her homeschool co-op. She's only 13 or 14. And she's pregnant. What are people going to think at the homeschool co-op? How's that going to look when she's wearing her choir robe on Sundays? And hers has got a big bump in it. And she has no husband. In that day, you could actually put a woman to death for being sexually immoral. 
the angel comes and says, fear not. Verse 35, he says, the Holy Spirit will come. Fear not, teenage girl. God will be with you. In fact, God will be in you. How about Jesus? Matthew 28, verse 10, right? After Jesus dies for our sin, after Jesus is taken off the cross and buried, after Jesus rises from death, you know what, you know what we have to fear more than anything? Death. The resurrection of Jesus conquers death. See, and what you and I need to do in those moments of fear and we turn into false prophets and we anticipate the future negatively, we've got to keep going. Oh no, I'm going to die and be with Jesus. It ain't so bad. It's not like going to Detroit. It's not so bad. I don't write the mail, I just deliver it. There's a reason we're not in Detroit. I'm just saying. What we, yeah, go Tigers. I'll tell you, the Yankees lost. Which means two things. God is sovereign and he loves us. can happen is you die. And if you belong to Jesus, you go to be with Jesus. See, we've got to reset worst case scenario. We've got to reset worst case scenario. Worst case scenario is you go to Jesus sooner rather than later. That ain't so bad. After he rises from death, Jesus then meets with his disciples in the Great Commission, right? Matthew chapter 28 in verse 10, it says, fear not. And then in Matthew chapter 28, verse 20, Great Commission, Jesus says, I, what's the words? Will be with you. You say, but how long? Always until when? The end. See, we're all going to be afraid. You're all going to fear. That's why the Bible keeps saying it over and over and over. And we tend to forget. And so God keeps reminding us. Fear not. I'm with you. Fear not. I'm with you. Fear not. I'm with you. Fear not. I am with you. I really want you to believe that. Right? The Bible says, do not merely listen to the word and what? Deceive yourselves. What? Do what it says. Believe what it says. Obey what it says. God says, fear not. I am with you. I want you to always remember that. And when times get the hardest and things get the darkest and your grief goes the deepest, remember, fear not. He is with me. Everything may not be okay, 
But if God is with you, you're going to be okay. I'll close with a story. Um, I've got five kids. They're uh, presently from uh, kindergarten to high school. And uh, married my high school sweetheart, Grace. We met at 17. We've been together 23 and a half years, married for 19. And um, yeah, she's a great girl. Pray for her. You see what she has to put up with. It's a lot. Um, and we have five kids. And when we travel, and when I travel, I oftentimes love to take my kids with me. Love to take them with me. And our very first sort of big family trip was to Scotland some years ago. Went to Scotland. And uh, was bringing the kids, and so we were explaining it to them. You're going to see John Knox's house. You're going to learn all about one-handed swords and two-handed swords and Mary Queen of Scots. And you're going to go to uh, castles. If you're a little boy, castles and swords. Well, that's everything, right? That's everything. And it's biblical because Jesus comes back with a sword, and right now he's making a castle. So <laughs> that's why I let my boys play with swords and fantasize about castles because we're Christians. Anyways. Um, <laughs> so I'm so, I'm so excited to take my kids and my littlest son, Gideon Joseph, he, he's like two or three years old. He's the only one. He's not excited to go. You excited? No. What? You want to go to Scotland? No, I don't. There's going to be swords. There's going to be castles. There's, it's going to be amazing. I don't want to go. And he would just really withdraw. He'd get sullen. And sometimes he'd get a really sad look on his face. And he'd look at the ground. And I'd think, what is wrong with this kid? I got a broken kid, my kid don't work. <laughs> and we were near, we kept trying to sell it to him, no luck at all. I told him, well, you could get a window seat on the plane, you get to look over everything, you're gonna be so tall. No, I don't care. There's a button you hit, they'll bring juice endlessly. <laughs> no. You get your own TV and headphones. It's going to be incredible. No, I couldn't sell it to this kid. And then I got down on one knee and I looked at Gideon. And uh, I said, buddy, I don't understand. Why do you not want to go to Scotland? Why do you not want to go on this amazing adventure that we've got set before us? He said, uh, I don't want to be alone. I said, Giddy, do you think you're going to Scotland alone? And he started tearing up. He was trying to be tough. But he said, yeah. See, he's trying to figure out his connecting flights. <laughs> right? <laughs> Currency exchange. trying to figure out how he's going to get his credit card application to pass before he gets on an international flight. He's really stressed out in his two or three-year-old mind. And I looked at him and I said, Gideon, who am I? He said, you're my dad. I said, who are you? He said, I'm your son. I said, you know what, Gideon, I'm going to go with you. And his whole countenance changed. He said, oh, you're going to be there? I said, yeah, I'm going too. He said, 
can I hold your hand in the airport? You can, buddy. Fear not. Your daddy's with you. Catalyst, fear not. Your daddy's with you.